conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer, and tonight I'm at After Dark 1274 in 2018 here at the Hilton Garden Inn in Wausau, Wisconsin, with my old friend Troy Schroeder. What's up, buddy? How's it going? It's going good. It is good. <laughs> Thanks for doing this with me tonight. I'm this, excited. This is a after dark. Truly, is a is a conference that happens after dark. So it's about eight thirty or nine right now, and that's like that's like middle of the day. Correct. At after dark, wouldn't you say? Yes, very things, much so. Things wrap up around three or four. Yeah, give or take. Generally, the next morning you find out who shut it down, right? And that's four a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're when you're getting back down there around ten, yes, or eleven, <laughs> correct, or eight thirty. <laughs> for for some for some for of some us of that us. actually have things to do, right? Yeah. Yep. So who who are you, Troy? What who who is Troy Schroeder? Well, outside of just the name Troy Schroeder, um, <laughs> I am a. 10-year photographer. I just hit my 10th year. Uh, I'm in Fort Dodge, Iowa, and I'm married to my wonderful wife, Lisa, who we've been together now for about six, we've been married for 16 years, been together for almost 21, and we have one child, he's 16, who's not with us today. We begged him to come, but he didn't want to come hang out, Uh, (laughs) who's uh, at home. And so um, that's, uh, you know, me and the family, we have, um, you know, the other part of my family is that we have uh, two dogs, a bird, a 150-gallon fish tank, and a couple hundred ball pythons. Wait, wait, wait. What's the last piece? 200 ball python snakes. <laughs> you breed snakes, apparently. I do. Like, that's my break away from photography, so. I never knew that. You know I'm a snake guy. Really? Yes. I did not know that. So we're both finding out. Yeah. That that's we're both awesome. snake guys. And now nobody is listening to us Correct. anymore. Correct. Everybody's all grossed out. Anyone that was, mm-hmm. that started with us is is no longer with their, us. Their ears have went deaf. Well, yes. you and me are going to talk about snakes after this. We will do that. I, I look forward I do, to that. I, so anyone that's thinking about, we will no longer speak of snakes. Correct. On on this podcast, we have other things to get to. Yes. Yes. Um, what I want to talk to Troy about this evening is is his story, um, and I don't know all of Troy's story, uh, but I know some of it. And uh, we, we, were, we were referencing this earlier down at, at the restaurant very quickly. And I think I got the sense that it would be a good idea. We'll find out because if it's not, we're going to find no out. No one's ever going to hear it anyway. Yeah. Like with podcasts with people like, you know, is it like Facebook? They can like it. But that's how it should be. And you can find out like, oh, no, that one wasn't good. Or yeah, that's great. <laughs> I don't have it set up that way, but you know, there might be a little buzz one way or the other. All right. Like, ooh, stay away from Troy's or you can't miss Troy's. Yeah. Ooh, I look for, I hope it's that one. Yeah. <laughs> So, where where does where does it start? For you know, you? It, and and maybe I can you know kind of uh, uh, give people a little um, segue of why you know why why we were talking about it is that uh, you know I just told you that I have such respect for you and your lovely wife uh, out of the adoption side of things. I have such mm. respect for adoption, and so uh, my story and I'm adopted. So my story. You know, I always actually kind of refer to it as an adoption story, which I think most people do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so my story of where I'm at currently has such a huge part to do with that, um, you know, big part of my life. And so for me, it starts, um, you know, my mom was 15 years old. Uh, 
how I came about is a little uh, a little uh, harsh, and um, we're you know we're not really 100% on the details. Right. But uh, it, that too has a part of me, and so um, finding out you know I was adopted at you know right around probably four or five six years old, it really started to click. My mom and dad always told me that I was adopted. And it didn't really, I mean, I don't think five-year-olds are probably that intelligent, but we're probably smarter than we think they are. You right. know, they are smarter than we think they are. And right. so kindergarten, you know, you start hearing about people's family trees or something, or you're learning the alphabet and they're talking about your dad or whatever. And I started to have questions, you know, and, and so it started that early for me. And uh, as it led into, you know, grade school and so on, I, I was developing a very large depression. Um, as a young child, you know, and, and my friends, again, as an eight-year-old or whatever, they're not, they're not experiencing that, you know, they're hmm. doing whatever. And, and I, it turned me into a very much class clown, um, yeah. which is probably why I'm still the way I am. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that's so where you went with it. That's, yeah, that's how it, that, it, that's it, how it led manifested. so dark for me, um, that by the time I was, you know, 12 and 13, I was, I, suicide was kind of my option. I, Is that I, right? Yeah, I was very, very, very depressed. And I was acting out and I had all the friends in the world, but at the same time, I felt like I had nobody. I had, I didn't feel like I had anybody that understood it. I felt like I had this family that absolutely loved me unconditionally. My mom yeah. and dad are the greatest people on the planet. Yeah. Right. Your kids are going to feel the same way. And, and it goes back to like, you know, my mom and dad picked me or, or I would, I have this little bear, uh, that I gave to my mom that says, um, uh, I didn't grow under your heart, but I grew in it. Right. And so it's so true. And, 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 but at the same time oh I felt so unloved and I hated myself and I, I hated my biological mom and I hated my adopted parents and I hated mm. my brother and, and they may not have even really knew that or know that at the time. And. But by the time I was 12 and 13, like it was pretty evident, I think, that I was in a bad spot. And so my mom and dad sent me to a mental hospital, um, which maybe sounds scary or, or whatnot. But you, if it wasn't for that seven or eight weeks of, of getting understanding, that's really what it comes down to. It wasn't I don't look at it as I got like help or I got like some psychotherapy or whatever. Right. I got understanding from people and it helped me understand my life. And the, the biggest thing is I my parents were. Uh, you know, they're religious, but I don't, when I say that, I think some people are like, oh, you know, they're beating a Bible or whatever. Well, there's all kinds of connotations with yes, that now, right? Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, we grew up in a Lutheran church and, and my mom and dad, you know, taught us obviously to believe in Jesus. And, and, and I was mad at Jesus, you know, I was mad at God. Mm. And, and so I go to this mental hospital and I kept having these people send me letters and devotion books and sent me a Bible with, you know, a, a letter inside of it. And I couldn't figure it out because I felt like, again, going back that I just felt so, um, I didn't feel like I had anybody, but yet these people were reaching out to me. Hmm. And that's really the first time, uh, that I remember, you know, kind of, I guess, leaning for this positive or, or leaning for the light. And I started reading these devotions and I, you know, I read the Bible and, and, uh, you know, I was starting to talk to people and I was opening up and letting it all out. And so, you know, I get home and, you know, now it's, you know, it's, it's a little different, you know, here, I think that I'm going to come back and, and things are going to be great. But now you're a 14 year old kid that came from a mental hospital, right? Yep. So now your friends and your peers are kind of like, Oh, that guy's crazy. Yeah. How did that go? Um, it was tough. I, I think it, you know, you, when people tell you something for so long, 
I think you start to believe it, right? And and I've been guilty. I was very much uh, a bully at times. Yeah. That I'm sure the ki- I've talked to kids now, you know, 30 years later or something, uh, when we were 10, and and I, like, hey man, I'm sorry. And they're like, man, you made me feel so worthless. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I felt worthless. Right. I did then. I did when I got back. And people told me I was crazy, and so I started to believe it. So I started doing stupid stuff. Right. You know, like your your friends bet you to do something dumb, or your right. I, I didn't care about telling teachers certain choice words, right. you know, and things like that. And so eight, seventh and eighth grade, um, were very, very tough for me. And then going into high school and you have upperclassmen and, you know, I want to be accepted, but again, I just feel so lonely inside. And, um, I'm at this point, I'm just, I have to know who my biological mom is. I have to be able to look her in the eye. Okay. Cause you didn't know. I had no idea. You obviously knew you were adopted. I get that piece, but you did not know who your biological no, mother was. No, it was never brought up. Um, even as a kid, when I would talk about it, my parents were very encouraging that at some point in my life, they would help me do that, okay. whether that be 18 or, sure. or whatever. And, and so I felt like at 13 and 14 and getting out of this mental hospital and trying to find my life or, you know, it's, I hate to say that because you're 14, right? You're not finding your life, mm-hmm. but you're, I think you're trying to find your, your place at that point. And, right. uh, I was very confused and, and I definitely felt this spiritual connection, which I'll talk on here in a minute. I have a pretty good story. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, you, you, I guess beat yourself back, back and forth and, and you know, next thing you know, um, you're into high school and it's another element and you have, I think those pressures and and so on. So at that point, um, I told my mom and dad, like, either you guys help me now or I'm going to like take it in my own hands. But I I didn't mean it as in like, I'm going to write a letter. Like I was going to knock on the lawyer's door kind of thing. I see. You're going to tell me who my mom is, right. you know, and like I knew the lawyer, I knew the, our family doctor, um, and, and sorry to way back up, but like my mom and dad had lost a baby at seven months old. She was Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a hole in her heart. They did surgery. Yeah. And in post-op, she had a second hole. She passed away. Mm-hmm. And so then they adopted me. And so same family doctor who was also my biological mom's doctor. So okay. he had told my mom and dad like, hey, there's this girl. She's going to have a baby in a couple months. Uh, she wants to, you know, give up for adoption. So I probably should have told you guys that part earlier. Well, yeah, uh, but, but <laughs> my, you, there's that connection there and you were aware of that. Yeah, I was very aware. Like okay. even, I can remember being, I don't know, uh, seven, eight and you go to the doctor and I can remember very much sitting in Dr. Lavalley's office and looking at the ceiling and him, whatever, doing whatever to me. And I think one time I busted my head open, he was stitching my head. And I remember so many thoughts of being like, Hey man, can you tell me who my mom is? When you were that young? Oh yeah, very much. Um, I can remember it just as, as vivid as can be. And, uh, so yeah, I went to my mom and dad and, and they were like, let's see what we can do. You know, like, let's sit down, let's talk. Like, you know, what do you think? And I said, I had to do this. Like if I didn't find out I was losing my mind Yeah. and I felt like I was going back, um, you know, struggling with uh, depression and, and thoughts of suicide and so on. And so my mom and dad knew that. And, Sure enough, they reached out to my biological mom and, and through our lawyer, who was her lawyer at the time, and she's agreed to meet me early. And so I met her when I was 15 and a half. Was she far away? <sighs> Crazy. Um, no. Uh, she was about six blocks from me, seven blocks from me. What? Her husband, who would be my stepdad, um, if, you, if you look at it that way, was my bus driver. 
What? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, um, my older brother that I grew up with, uh, he, uh, his friends would end up being my cousins. Um, it, it, pretty crazy. Like, I mean, people that I knew I hung out with ended up being cousins of mine, whether it be first or second cousins. And nobody and knew. Nobody. Nobody in their like, mind knew. Nobody in your side. I mean, you. Mm-mm. Okay. Not a thing. Oh, you know, goodness. the only thing my mom ever, my mom that, um, you know, or I always think I confuse people, but my mom that raised me, uh, mm-hmm. my mom, she had had a, she said when they met, when they first had my adoption paperwork, somewhere in there, they didn't cross off the last name of my biological mom. Yeah. And my mom never told me that. Probably good thing, because right. I would have tried to be a little detective and figure it of out. Of course. And so, um, she cut out a newspaper article about a lady that had got her like cosmetology degree or whatever. And, and it ends up being my aunt, but my, my mom thought we looked a lot alike and cut it out and it was the same last name. And yeah. so my mom, I think had obviously a, an intuition or whatever you want to say of maybe who I was because they had my last, they had my biological last name or my mom's last name, my right. biological mom's last name. Uh, but outside of that, nobody, nobody had a clue. I grew up, um, it's like 11 houses down from my biological mom's mother and father-in-law. So um, I remember seeing what ended up being my two half-brothers. I can remember them there and like playing outside as I played with friends of mine across the street. Um, A house next to them was a friend of mine that I played with. And I can remember these two little boys. I mean, just, uh, I mean, you just, I just, you know, you just knew them because they were there and they're outside playing or whatever. Unbelievable. I probably walked by my biological mom a hundred times, you know, and I, in church I had to, to get confirmed. You had to go, uh, to, a to like a nursing home and just, you know, help out, take a project at the nursing home. My biological mom, uh, was in the office, the, the other lady that we had to go check in with. <laughs> so like, obviously I didn't know any of that until like after I met her and I'd go visit her at work and like, things kind of like get pieced together yeah, and things like things that, clicked. but it was absolutely crazy. I didn't, yeah. I met my biological mom when I was 15 and a half. I met my stepdad, her husband, um, about, I think like three months later, maybe two months later. And he came walking in and I was like, Oh, Hey, Mr. Kuna, hey. And so I'm like, and he's like, he, he I was a bad kid. Right. So, uh, and that can be a whole story too. Like, uh, you know, I think they had a lot of, he had a lot of pre, you know, conception or thoughts or whatever of me because he knew me as such a bad child. Um, so it's kind of led to some issues with me and that the biological side. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I so I guess I get back on track for me. Um, I meet my bi- biological mom at 15 and a half. Uh, and, I, and I think that that moment is going to completely sew up that hole. Yeah. And, it, and really for me, it, it made it so much bigger and oh. somewhat in a negative way. Um, I, I, I hate to almost use that word because I don't, I don't, I don't really, under, I don't, even at today at 40, almost 40 years old, I don't really know if I understand it. Like even that moment as a 15 and a half year old kid meeting my mom, thinking it's going to like make me happy again, right. like, or I'm going to, everything's going to be solved. Right. And, and so much was, but so much like opened up for me. And, and obviously it leads to wanting to know who my biological father is. And, right. um, and that that comes about and I still have issues at school and I can remember one day I remember looking at my teacher and I'm like I'm out of here and they're like what do you mean and I'm like 
I got to go. Like, I got to go find out who my biological dad is. And I remember like people looking at me like, what is he talking about? (laughs) You know, but I left my biological mom worked across the street at a nursing home and I went over there and I'm like, you know, can I meet my, can I talk to my mom? And I don't know if I called her mom, but I could talk to Deb was her, Deb is her name. And, uh, I had to know, like, so it was like here I've met her, but the hole is bigger. Um, I'm still searching, I think for everything I'm trying to figure it out. And I so badly want to be a part of her family, but she has a family, you know what Mm. I mean? So it's like, there's these 16 years almost that it's hard to, I guess, to, to fill that void, Mm. but I thought, Oh, it'll be so easy. And, and now I want to know who my biological dad is. And so sure enough, like she gives me that info and I start that search and he was in prison. And so I write, I find out where he's at and I write him some letters and we wrote some letters back and forth and he called me from prison and I, and then at 18, um, I was just, I think I was almost 19, uh, when I met my biological dad, he had just got out. And so again, like I had, and I told you earlier, I'm an open book. And so I certainly hope that I'm not, um, you know, depressing anybody, but, uh, you just keep going. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I was told that, um, you know, for whatever happened, my mom was maybe drunk or whatever and passed mm-hmm. out. And whether he was, you know, under the influence, mm-hmm. either way, um, what happened probably wasn't exactly looked at good in the eyes of most people. I understand. And so I, for those th- couple years that I've heard that story, I kind of built up like this. You know, when I meet him, that's the first thing I need to know. I need to know what he knows. Yeah. And so sure enough, like, I'm like, he's like, Hey, you know, I walk into this house. This is kind of funny. I walk into this house and it's my biological grandpa, my dad, like a uncle, um, I think a girlfriend of his and, and, um, like a step grandma and whatnot. And I walk in and my, my would be grandpa would say, uh, he said, you want a, you want a beer? And I'm like, I'm like 18 and a half. And I'm like, no, I don't drink. And he's like, you want a whiskey? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Still don't drink. Yeah, still don't drink. <laughs> and I, I think he even offered me something else with gin, whatever it was. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm good. And he's like, you're not Larry's son. Oh, and I'm like, like oh, this sounds real great. Nice. Good and way to start so, things off. Yeah. That's how it starts off. And, um, so I meet my dad or my biological dad. And, uh, I said, Hey man, I just, I'd really like to go out on a drive or whatever. And which was probably pretty stupid because he just got out of prison, right? Probably doesn't have a license, but I don't really think of that far ahead. <laughs> and so we're driving around and I'm like, hey, man, I got to know, like, is this the way it went down? Cause I've built up a lot of hate for you. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I can't live, I can't live without knowing this. Mm. And, and, and he, I think was pretty honest. Like, I don't remember anything, you know, he's, he had a pretty rough life. I think he was in and out of drugs quite a bit. Mm. Um, it's what led him to prison and so on. And so, it so then again you I, here I am I find this place where I'm I don't have the answers that I'm looking for hmm. you know I wanted this like cut and dry story right I'm sure every kid does right. and so I, I I'm you know everything is so loose nothing's tying together and right um so I hear you know I, he's gone again and goes moves to Colorado and so I don't really get to see him and uh, my biological mom and me are you know at this point have now been together for you know three years or something like that and from those three years t- to now, um, you know, have been very rocky off and on, and we currently aren't speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, my biological dad passed away a few years ago, oh. 
And I never really got a chance to, again, like these holes don't, they just, you want to, you want to like fill them. Right. And, and so now it's like, I can't take back things I said, I can't ask him questions. I can't ever move forward or let that water under the bridge or bury the hatchet or, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, I feel like my life has been constantly full of these holes, right? Mm. These holes I can't get rid of. And to this day, I mean, again, I'm very honest, like I, I struggle very much with depression still. And, uh, I think I hide that pretty well. I think I want to believe I hide it pretty well. Mm. Um, I was diagnosed back then with being bipolar and, and a manic depressant or, or depression. And, um, I said I have a chemical imbalance and I had taken very heavy meds for quite some time. And then yeah. around 18 and 19 and 20 years old, I, I threw them in a cornfield and, uh, it was like, I'm never taking these again. And I haven't, so I haven't taken any, any medication for 20 years. And I'm sure there's, there's days that I need it, but, uh, I, I wholeheartedly think that for me to, to come overcome this whole battle, whether it's to fill in these holes or so on is I have to do this on my own. I feel like I have this whole thing. I have to do it on my own. Mm. There's probably some people listening that are like, no, you're wrong. You're, <laughs> they're probably right. Uh, but you know, that's, I think everybody's got their own choice and that's, I, you know, one of mine, but, um, so still to this day, you know, I, I struggle with these things and here, you know, me and my mom don't speak and, um, and that, that really bothers me. It's very hard for me. I, I want to, I, I think where I'm at now is, is a 40 year, almost 40 year old is that I've really opened myself or I've been trying to open myself up to like really looking at the whole picture. And I feel like, all right, I feel like she's got this family of her own. Um, and she has her, my two half brothers and my half sister and her husband and you know, their whole family. And then there's me. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we're there, uh, or had been there, you know, like there's sometimes just, uh, they, they don't mean to do this, I think, but when you hear it, like, um, my brother had a baby and, uh, you know, they'll say things like, Oh, we finally have a grandkid. And I'm like, what dude, I've had a kid for 16 years. Yeah. Like he's your grandkid, you right. know? And, 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 uh, and I don't think they don't think that way, but right. these little things like weigh on you. And, um, I've never really felt like I belong. And at the same time, I think there's probably, it's probably unfair for me to think that or to, to feel like I should. Right. Um, I have a family. I'm a Schroeder. I'm proud of it. My mom and dad, again, are the greatest people on the planet. And uh, they gave me a home when, when somebody else couldn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've taught me so many beautiful lessons. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I, but at the same time, you, as an adopted child, and I pray to the good Lord that your kids don't feel this way. Hmm. Um, but I, I just feel so double-edged, you know, that um, I'm so grateful for what I have. And I'm grateful, grateful that I was adopted to the right people. Um, I'm sure that there's people in my situation that got a real bum deal, yeah. you know, and, and I've met some of those people and it breaks my heart. And, and there's obviously foster care and, and all this stuff. So, I mean, there's so many different things that could have happened for me. And I, like I said earlier, I'd really like to try to open up myself to really think like I break down these things in my head when I'm driving and stuff. Like if it would have been, if my mom didn't go to the doctor on that one day that this Dr. LaValle told them like, Hey, I have this girl having a baby. Right. Like maybe he wouldn't have told him. Right. And I wouldn't be here with you. Right. Right. So like, obviously there'd be a whole chunk of things missing in the middle. And, and, um, and so 
you know, somewhat long story short, um, you know, uh, I feel like how much like tying it into like photography. Right. So I feel like I had all the, all this time as a child where I have all these pictures of me, whether I was smiling or not with a family that wasn't really mine. And I don't think that way now. Um, but growing up, I felt like it was just a, a facade or it was fake and it was, wasn't, these didn't mean anything to me, right? Mm-hmm. These pictures didn't mean a thing to me. And, uh, I, as I became a little clearer and, and 10 years ago, you know, you start to look at old pictures of things. I came across this Polaroid of me and my brother. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and me and my brother were never, uh, we weren't real close growing up. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, he's holding my hand and I'm in like a Snoopy shirt and I've got these big tall socks on and <laughs> this funny grin and I had hair. Um, <laughs> if you know me, I don't have hair now. Uh, and it was such a happy moment and I didn't think about it. Like I, I felt like how could I have thought the way I did for so long? Um, to have like that one picture just clear so much for me. Mm. And, and so, you know, as a photographer, um, I think we take that for granted a lot too. I don't think we understand how much things we shoot or photograph or whatever capture uh, or make or whatever um, mean to the person that has it, mm. right? Um, so I have a crappy Polaroid <laughs> that's somewhat blurry uh, from 1983 Mm -hmm. and it's, I, I, I luckily my mom for some reason had like two or three of them, three or four of them, I should say. And I took all of them and I cut them up and I put them in little frames and I gave them to myself for Christmas. And then my mom and, and my brother and, uh, like even my mom's, it's like, why this picture, you know? And, and, I don't think I've ever really sat down and told her, but, but like, she knows, like she, I'm sure she understands that like, for me, that's just such a clarity for me to look at this one image and remind myself that, um, you know, as part of a family, yeah. I'm part of a family yes. and it's, it's just so important. And there's so many kids out there that don't have a home or don't have a family and, and, um, it, or they're homeless. That's a big thing for me is the homeless. And, mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's, it's, so it's, it all ties together for me that my adoption being so hard for me, you know, has led me to like such an understanding of love. Again, I have my, my daily battles, but, um, I'm so thankful that I have what I have and and where it's led me to like, and and the people that it's led me to you included, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and the people that are at these conventions, you know, I feel like I have another family and I never felt that way. Like as a kid, I never felt like I had like one best friend, but yet if you grabbed, you know, a hundred people in Fort Dodge, they would probably tell you that they were a friend of mine or they knew me or whatever. And so, but growing up, I just, I had this such a fake facade of whatever, and it wasn't true. And I, and yet I now know that, you know, people cared about me and uh, and, and that's where I am now. Like I feel so loved and it's nice to feel loved and, and you have to love yourself before you can let somebody else love you. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, long and short, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not the end. I don't know. 
I feel like I'm rambling. (laughs) That was... I've got so many thoughts going through my head, of course, considering where I'm at personally and everything with my own children. Um, But your your vulnerability and the way you laid that all out and that photo that you described, I have a couple photos like that that I can think of as well. Um, is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything else. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't. There's. Mm. I, I. I have nothing to add to this <clears throat> that I think is that I think is going to be appropriate. Yeah. Well, I'm an open book. <laughs> <laughs> you are, um, and you have been, and mm. that was one of the best conversations I've ever had. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it. And, um, I, now I feel like we have a lifetime's worth of conversations to have between us. Yeah. (laughs) I look forward to that. Yeah. 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 Including the snake talk. (laughs) We still, we still have that. Yeah. We get to do that. Um, Thanks uh, Troy. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure and an honor to be able to sit with you and, and, and listen really yeah yeah well i appreciate it i appreciate the opportunity to tell it and uh you know i always think that travis googleman who we both know mm-hmm. um another guy i just feel such a huge part of my life and he's taught me so so much and i hope I, so I'm a, i'll send this to him right i'm gonna mm. make sure he hears this mm-hmm. so he understands my thanks but um he you know um i think you know what i what i want to say is like what he he's a mormon right he's a mormon mm-hmm. guy and uh, I don't really pick any one religion. I'm a firm believer in the good Lord above. But uh, he, you know, it's just he, his his story. And like, you get around these people, and they open you up. And and mm. I think what I what I want to tell people is that I, I think you find that person, right? You find your you find somebody that the first person find one person that will listen to you and give you guidance and like give you help and um you know, build it from there. Cause I feel like without some of those people in my life, like I wouldn't tell my story. And, you know, he's told me a hundred times, I feel like, or wherever we've been together, like, Oh, I should write a book. Mm. Right. So then I feel like these conversations, like, I feel like I could probably like really elaborate and like, I could talk forever about my story mm. and, and make it the longest, you know? And, um, <laughs> I told Jed when we were here, I was like, how long do these things go? You know? And he's <laughs> like, Oh, like 20 minutes to an hour. And I'm like, well, I can definitely put it in that, you know, and, and, but yeah, I feel like I could just go on and on and on about my story and, you know, little pieces of it. And I guess if there's somebody out there, I guess my kind of my point is if there's somebody out there that, you know, I guess struggles with whether it's depression uh, or suicide or being adopted or going to adopt or Mm. whatever, like my phone, my door, my heart, my ear are always open. What's your website? Where can people find you? Well, um, there's obviously Facebook, right? We have the social side of things. So it's pretty easy to find me at Troy Schroeder um, on Facebook. Um, And then uh, our company name is Memories in Focus, which is so funny. I always think like, why do I have to tell people this? Like when I was 10 (laughs) years ago and I was named a business, I was like, I'm going to name it Memories in Focus. How clever is that? Right? And then you meet people like... Travis, who's like Travis Googleman photography and Ben Shirk photography. And I'm like, oh, so I could have used my name. Uh, so you can go to memoriesinfocus.net. Oh, yes. Uh, which uh, it will get you to me as well. And our contact information, my phone number, my yeah. email, all that is on there. And, and, and honest to God, I am, uh, whether I know you or not, 
I hope that if you find yourself in that need, you'll you'll knock on my door. So, thanks, brother. Thank you. I yeah. really appreciate it, and and um, we have much more to talk about, um, and that's what we will do. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. 